Welcome to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm Ishaan Ellis, CEO of Clout, a national public relations and marketing communications firm headquartered in Chicago. Our agency is dedicated to uncovering insights and cultural trends to help business leaders better understand today's consumer. We also invite some of the best minds in business to come on our show to share their insight and experiences. So if you're interested in becoming a guest on our show, stick around to the end of this podcast and I'll tell you how to become one. Welcome to another episode of Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Clout. I'm Sean Ellis, a host of the show and CEO of Clout uh, Marketing and Public Relations headquartered here in Chicago. We have a special guest with us today, uh, Axel Mayhofer. I think I just screwed it up uh, on the show today, and uh, it's going to be a really exciting show. We're going to get some some mentoring around real estate. I'm really curious about uh, uh, the business model. Axel, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Misha. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about the, uh, the company. You're a founder and CEO of Ideal Wealth Grower. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk a little bit about the company. What do you guys do? Well, fundamentally, um, as a company, we provide mentoring, or I provide with my team mentoring service for people who decide, number one, I want to reach a point in my life where I don't have to use my money and give it to somebody else in exchange for money. Um, So if you have the freedom to use your time for the things that you're really passionate about, we call that reaching the time freedom point. And when you ask, okay, well, how do we get there when we are actually becoming a mentoring client uh, within Idea Wealth Grow, and we call it our little tribe or community, that's we help you basically with all the things that are involved to buy or invest in well-performing residential real estate. Mm-hmm. So there can be a single family home in a well-performing area that you rent to a tenant long-term, years mm-hmm. ideally. Or yeah, it could yeah. be a single family home that you have operated as a short-term rental, like an Airbnb or VRBO. Or it can be something that we call a turnkey rental where you have some use and then the rest of the time that you don't use it, like a second home or a place Like, for example, our clients, we do uh, some stuff in the Caribbean where you might say, you know, I really live in an area like Chicago might uh, qualify where the weather in the winter can really, you know, drain you and where you might say, well, when (laughs) first uh, signs of spring or the early parts of the year come around, you get on a plane and you stay maybe for a few weeks in your own. Like we have uh, affiliations with uh, what's called eco-friendly tiny house communities. So you stay in your own tiny house for a week or two, but the rest of the year it's managed and rented by another organization that basically brings in tourists to stay in your place, kind of like a hotel community, but every unit is like its own little house. So those, but if you think about it, those are all residential real estate investments. Some people might say, oh, I think I like a duplex, right? Because it makes a little bit more money or triplex. But everything that goes from a single family all the way to up to four doors or fourplex, as we call it. All that and everything that falls under that umbrella is basically what we're helping people to get access to, mainly because I have vetted every entity, every organization that we're working with, whether it's a lender, an insurance company, turnkey provider, property management. So anything that I refer our mentoring clients to 
I have worked with or am working with, have invested, have bought, have used, have policies. So they shorten, which is the goal of mentoring, shorten all that research or that finding the good ones among the not so good ones mm -hmm. and having some assurance with actual proof that it works. Wow, that's fantastic. And so how'd you get in the line of work? What's, what, tell me a little bit of your background. Uh, is this something that, you know, this real estate field, is this something that you've always wanted to be a part of or you kind of found your way to it? Uh, talk a little bit about just your, your journey a little bit. Yeah, so well, if, <laughs> there were a couple of steps. It started out, I was, um, and if people ask, you know, where does this accent come from? I was born in Germany, got out of school, joined the Air Force. And as anybody in, in the military knows, you get moved around. Now, so after a few moves, we ended up relatively close to where I was born in Northern Germany on an air base. And I had applied to be in um, flight testing. And that means when something new is developed for the plane, you have to go as a flight test uh, aviator, you go to the company that invented or created this thing because that's the only place at that point where you can actually learn how it's supposed to work or how is it gonna be integrated in the plane. And you basically, for me as an aviator, we were actually flying the, the planes. For me, the role was always, how can we make sure that the way you actually use like the user's panel or the keyboard or the buttons or whatever they came up with, for the interface with the air crew made sense. Like a little anecdote is where I was, for example, involved in the integration of a missile system where you can hit a button and the missile would fly along to hit a radar site that is used to shoot missiles at other planes or, or whatever. So you need to obviously tell the missile where to go. And these really, really smart engineers had so many different modes created that it took 60 different steps to get the missile to finally fire while you're still flying the plane and you had less than a minute to do it. And obviously, I mean, especially with gloves on, if you've ever seen an aviator in a military jet, it's not feasible, right? We got it ultimately down to 12, but I had to sit down with these engineers in their company to go through and say what is reasonable and what is feasible which brought me over to the United States over and over again. And my wife at some point said, it would be nice if we could stay longer than just four or five weeks for your training. I looked into that and found out there is actually an exchange program between the German Air Force and the US Air Force, which ultimately brought me here. Now, I applied for that. This is now a long-winded way to get to your question. Oh, How no, did no, you this is why this is right? yeah. So I applied for that two other or three other people from the flight test uh, system crew applied to, we were all invited to the base commander and he had to decide who would he put forward. And so he put somebody forward and told the other three guys, myself included, sorry guys, you're definitely qualified people, but I chose this guy. So I called my wife and said, sorry, I didn't get it. And we were waiting, should we renovate our house or not? So we decide, okay, if we're not gonna to go to the United States, we renovate the house. Well, guess what? We were about three quarters through the renovation. I get a call to show up at the base commander and I'm like, what did I do wrong, right? So I go there and he said, well, something unusual happened. You remember I had forwarded this guy for the position, but when the two-star general got the selections and looked at everybody who had applied, he felt that you were better qualified than the guy I suggested, oh, wow. so he overruled wow. me. Wow. Wow. So are you still willing to go? 
And I'm like, I just spent 50,000 in this case, German marks on renovating right, right. my house. So I thought, well, I can't really sell it. We need to rent it, right? And we tried to, literally, we said, okay, we go. We went to the United States. I became a US Air Force uh, officer in a flight wing here in the United States with a house in Germany. Tried that for a while, didn't work out very well, but that was the first thing. And then we got moved around. And every so often when you get moved around in the military, sometimes it's better to buy than to rent and so forth. So we got a little bit of a taste. And then when I retired, and started my own consulting company, I was thinking, well, how do I ever, I mean, literally, I call it time freedom point now. But at the time, I was like, how do I get to a position where I could say, okay, like a normal person in a job, I can now retire? Where is my retirement income coming from? And I looked around, I have to keep in mind that was 2005. And in 2003, the stock market crashed. So I was like, no, I'm not going to go there. So what else is there? And I basically looked into real estate because I had a little bit of experience and started investing in real estate on a small scale, but I'm also German, you, you know, that's one thing. And we always dig like the deepest rabbit holes if we wanna find out about something. So I really started educating myself and initially for many, 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 many years, I just did all of this myself. And people started encouraging me to basically give others what I learned in some way. And that's how Idea Red Grower um, emerged basically because I did 1031 exchanges. I, I found out because we always, after my military time, lived in California, which is really not a good state to do real estate investing. So I needed to find alternatives in places where the <laughs> stuff performs well. Sorry about the dog. Um, oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, and so I developed that. I developed relationships with insurers, with lenders, all that kind of stuff. And people kept saying, well, yeah, but you should share. And so ultimately I thought, okay, well, I start setting up, you know, a website and so forth. It was very simple in the beginning. And then the big man in the sky said, let's have COVID give Axel a little bit of time to actually make this happen. Right. And so all my consulting clients said, we are not sure if we want to have more business. And I said, well, now I have the time to do it for real. And yeah, so for the real. last like two and a half years now, we have it running much more professionally. Yeah. No, that, that is a fantastic story. And was there a moment in time with, um, with uh, just considering entrepreneurship is, is a big deal, you know, and the fact that you were able to do that and, and, and grow something. So I'm interested in this. You, you mentioned this um, uh, freedom, uh, reaching the, the time freedom point. That's an interesting phrase. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, basically, when I talk about as, as kind of like, how do you go on this, what we call the ideal investor journey, let's say you have your own place that you live in right now, and you're asking yourself, okay, how can I get myself to this time freedom point, which basically means in the definition, you're making enough passive income, so you don't have to work for that income to cover all your life expenses. So the stuff that you pay now for the car yeah. and for fuel and for utilities, and if you live for rent or you have a house and you pay mortgage, all that stuff. Sure. Right. So if it, let's just say somebody were to say, okay, my number, because it's ultimately associated with a number, how much is your life expense right now? Let's say your number were, I don't know, $3,600 a month. Sure. Right. So now we go and kind of reverse engineer and say, okay, well, if I buy a single family home in a well-performing area, 
I have a reasonable expectation, just to keep it simple, that I can make $300 positive cash flow. And what that means is, so I buy this property, I put a tenant in, and out of the rent from the tenant, I pay my mortgage, my insurance, my property taxes, property management, mm -hmm. and I put a little bit reserve for when there's any kind of maintenance or if there's any larger repair or um, if the tenant wants to move out and I need to find a new one because that costs a little bit for marketing. So we call those the three things that should be 5% of your rent for vacancy, 5% for maintenance and 5% for CapEx, bigger repairs every mm -hmm. month out of the rent. After all of that, you have, let's say $300 left. And, it, and I'm using these numbers because those are realistic numbers that we are having right now. And those are nice little three-bedroom, two-bath houses in residential neighborhoods, nice schools, reasonable transport, schools, shopping, stuff like that. Nothing fancy. So now you have these $300 and you say, okay, my goal is $3,600. Right? So that means you can actually calculate, I need 12 of those properties. Mm. Right? Now, in reality, if you were to say, okay, I need 12, I would buy or would try to buy one each year. And obviously we would help you and teach you how to do that. That would also, that calculation in your mind would then say, okay, what, but if it takes me 12 years to get 12 properties, would I never increase the rent on the first one or second one and so forth? Maybe not sure. on the 12th one yeah. or the 11th one. So it's really not 12, even though that looks like that initially because your rent increases, but your costs don't. Your mortgage doesn't get higher. Typically, your insurance and property taxes don't get significantly higher. Sure. So the 300 becomes 330 or 350 over like 10, 12 years. So what I find most people reach that goal, somewhere around 10 properties, maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe 11. And then the difference becomes how long does it take? Can everybody buy a house of that kind every year? Not necessarily, depends a little bit on your income and how frugal you want to be. But that's basically the approach. We define the journey by how much do you have in living expenses right now? Mm -hmm. How does that break into the positive cash flow for each property that you have? And then how many do you need to get there? And that's basically um, fundamentally the calculation. And then it's a matter of step two is where do we find the first property? Or are we even ready to find the first property? Or do we first, what we call accumulation, get enough money for our down payment so that we can actually buy the first property? Mm -hmm. It depends a little bit where people are. But I've discovered one thing since we were talking about cash flow that if you're interested, I'm happy to explain is. If you're still in this phase where you're getting your down payment together, or when you're making these $300 per property, the question oftentimes becomes, what do I do with that money? So what we do basically is let's go first with our scenario. We bought our first property and it settled down and we got our rent payments. And now we're having these $300 a month. Mm -hmm. So that's one uh, option. And that keeps going on over time. So these $300, we recommend to put them in the same kind of asset, again, into residential real estate, but in a little bit different way where the real estate is basically treated as if you had a company that has shares. So let me explain how that works. You have a platform. We, we use this platform called Lofty and they 
find a property similar to what we would buy outright ourselves. And they say, this is a nice property in a nice neighborhood. We take it under contract and we tell the seller that we're buying it cash. Then we build an LLC. Let's say it's 123 Main Street in Chicago. We build an LLC that says 123 Main Street, Chicago, Illinois, whatever the zip code is. And then we say, how much does this property cost? Let's say it's $200,000, single family, three bedroom, two bath. They break that 200,000 into 4,000 equal $50 pieces, like shares. Then they put that on the platform and say, hey, Michon, Axel, Joe, Frank, Melissa, anybody who wants to can buy some of these shares of this particular property. And so if we have our $300, we could buy six of these shares at $50 each this month. And next month, when the next $300 comes in, we can buy another six of those shares. And so oh, we can keep adding shares. Yeah. And the beauty of doing this with the cash flow on the platform is because we are investing this money again in the same thing in single family homes, the one difference is these rental payments happen daily. So if we ultimately at any day over time get to a point where we say, now we have enough money to buy property two or three or whatever, even number one, we can sell our shares, take the money and make it into a down payment for our property that we want to buy. So it's parking your cash flow and making the same return anywhere between five and 10% on your money, which is way better than any savings account. Sure, absolutely. And for somebody who says, well, I have right now, let's take the $200,000 house, you would have to have $40,000 down payment or 20% to buy that, right? That's always in investment properties, 20% down, 80% from the bank. Well, if you, let's say, have 30,000, you still need to get the other 10,000. Well, I would say put the 30,000 on the platform, make five to 10% return and keep adding a little bit every month until it becomes 40. And then you buy your first property. Right? So it's both accumulation. And when you have properties, you put your cash flow there for parking because there's no other place I know right now that is similarly safe and pays you every day. All right. No, that's fantastic. And so the housing, real estate, it's the, the market's really nutty right now. What, what advice would you give someone who is looking, to your point, to make that, that first purchase? Uh, what, what do you know now that you didn't know then <laughs> when you were, you know, when you were starting out making your purchase? Like, what would you, what would you share? With, so if I was looking to buy a, 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 my first apartment building or something, what advice would you give me? Well, apartment buildings, I couldn't give you advice. Oh, well, really, uh, homes, yeah. But if you say you were to want to buy a single family or duplex, triplex, anything. Sure. Yeah. Um, the first thing is tune out 99% of the stuff that you hear on the media. Mm-hmm. Because the media has two big, big flaws, not just in real estate or just in the financial markets. Three, actually, if you really think about it. The first mm-hmm. flaw is that they have trained us to look at the headline and almost spend no time anymore on the details. And obviously the headlines are always made as loud as possible. Sure. Like crazy increases, hundred people lining up to buy a house and stuff. And then people get the impression if you only hear that, that that must be true for every house across the country, which it's not. 
Got it. Okay. So that's, that's, that's one fair. thing. The yeah. other thing that you hear in the media and have been hearing for probably the last five years is housing prices have gotten crazy. And then, you know, any kind of variation of that and maybe sure. examples. That applies if you really think as a logical thinking person, if it's crazy, you wouldn't want to be involved with it, which is also not true. And then the third thing is that rents have so massively increased that nobody can afford them anymore, which would actually give the indication that if I were to buy one, nobody wants to rent it. Also false. So those are three flat out. For one, they are generalizing across the whole country, which is, as we all know, extremely diverse. Sure. Right. If you take like a house, let's say a nice 1500 square foot, 1600 square foot house, three bedroom, two baths with a little nice garden around it and you put that in san francisco you put that in chicago you put that somewhere in ohio you put that to new york you put that to florida it's a totally different ball game in each and every one of those locations not just by price but by how much rent you could get how much it's going to cost so forth and so forth now you remember when you asked me the very first question i said the biggest thing that we do at idea wealth core is look for performance that's why I say tune out these 99% of bullshit out there. Sorry for my yeah. French. Yeah. Right? No, no, uh, um, because when you say performance or you ask me what is performance, I would say if you can find a property between 0.75 and one or ideally maybe even a little bit above 1%, that's good performance. Now, what does that mean? If you have a $150,000 house, and you can get 1300 $1,350, $1,400, $1,500 rent. That's that range. That's between 0.75 and 1%. You take the price of the house, put in your little calculator times 1% times 0.8%, and you see, do I get that level of rent? That is considered good performance. So now, why is that so important? If you go into an area where the houses are between dollars and $200,000. You know, without doing anything else, that the rent needs to be between $1,000 and $2,000. And you can, can do some research and say, is that realistic? Can yeah. I get between $1,000 and $2,000 rent in this area? Now, what you run into is, if you go, for example, to San Francisco, you would say, oh, they're all paying four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000. Yeah, but that's also not a hundred to two hundred thousand dollar house. That's a one million to two million dollar house. Yeah, yeah. You do that, and you say, okay, they pay four thousand dollars on a million dollar house. That's 0.4 percent, not 0.8, not 0.9, not not one. That's why you can't really invest in this way in California because you don't get that performance. But you can go to Ohio, you can go to Florida, you can go to Alabama, Tennessee, and other places like that where you get that 0.75 to 1% or maybe even a little more on a duplex. And that's why I'm saying the price and how much. See, it doesn't matter if the price increases from 120000 to 150000 right? And the rents grow, like we have all been he hearing. Yeah, yeah. From 1200 to 15000 It's both is a 1%. Ah, I see. I see. Right. So the yeah. performance yeah. hasn't changed. If I bought it three years ago for 120,000 and get 1,200 rent, and now I buy it right now where everybody said crazy, can't buy anything, I can buy that thing that got $30,000 worth more in two years, which is pretty crazy. 1,500 rent or close to it, I'm still performing well. I'm still wow. making my 300 a month. That's what I want. I want to make my cash flow, and that comes from a good relationship 
between price and rental income. Wow. Boy, you need to, I, 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 I don't know if you go on the road or not and teach classes, but you certainly should. So how do people get a hold of you? Uh, can you give your website? Well, I mean, we are, how, do we, we have, how, do we, how do people get a hold of this knowledge? <laughs> yeah, we have, uh, we have uh, accounts pretty much on all different kinds of social media, but the easiest is to go to ideawealthgrower.com. And as soon as you get there, you, even if you do nothing, sooner or later, like 30 seconds in, it pops up. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can download the free mindset manual. You can set up a call with me. I invite people to our mentoring only after I gotten to know them, right? I Got wouldn't it. just accept somebody. And one thing that we're doing, because we can only really do this kind of close handholding, which I really love and impact people's life positively. We can only do this with so many people. So one thing that we're working on that should come out somewhere towards the end of the summer is an online program so that people who say, well, can I get into mentoring? And if mentoring is full right now, then they can already get some of that knowledge hopefully soon. I, I realize that some people say, well, what could I do while I'm waiting for a slot to open, right? And the reason I even have this kind of like waiting list situation is, and I wanna explain this to your audience just for a moment, is when people join the program and they're basically ready to do their first investment. There is, I don't wanna really call it overwhelmed, but there is a huge amount of stuff that you need to kind of get into. And I'm trying to be basically your quarterback, so to speak, directing the game and helping the game and making the connections and all that kind of stuff. But that also means that we are probably gonna be in touch two, three times a week. Now that's totally different wow. when yeah. somebody is making their third deal, their fourth deal and so forth, right? Everything, even if it's a very complex thing and I can attest to this, when I first started learning to fly a military fighter jet, it was like, I thought I would never know where all the buttons are. Then I did it for 20 years and I knew where all the buttons are. <laughs> now in real estate, yeah. it doesn't take 20 years, but still you can even in extremely complex systems, you can learn them and build routines. And when you have done three closings, you will see, yes, it's a huge stack of paper, but it's basically always the same stuff, right? Some of it's silly, some of it makes sense, but it's basically the same. The insurance policy, fundamentally the same criteria. The, you know, the stuff for property management, what should they look for, what makes a good tenant? You learn those things after you have done two or three. So the need for me to hold your hand on every little detail gets less and less. At which point I can say, okay, we can open the door for another newbie, so to speak, to join our little community, which I call the tribe, and hold their hand to get to this point where they only need maybe a session a month or so. Yeah. And that way everyone's successful. I, I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Axel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, again, give that website one more time. So yeah, idealwealthgrower.com. And I'm, I would hope that you put it in your show notes so people can find it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Street Smart Business Leaders Powered by Cloud. Now, if you know someone who'd be a great guest for the show, please send them my way or have them go to cloudllc.com slash podcast slash apply and we'll take a look. If you got something great out of today's show, please let me know what you thought. Also, share it on social media and be sure to subscribe to the podcast itself. And again, the whole goal behind the podcast is to share experiences and insights so we can all develop and grow. So until next time, make every day your masterpiece. Take care.